Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. What an amazing Sunday it's already been. An incredible week. How many people got to twist it? just gets better and better. I'm so honored to have my mum here today, Valerie Gray, <laughs> and my, my dad here on the front row, all the way from Australia, down under. <laughs> and I thought it would be nice, you can grab your seats, because whenever you hear me preach and share, quite often, mum, you feature a lot. You're in a lot of my stories. And so I thought what we could do this morning is we could do, give the backstory to a lot of the God stories that, that I share about in my messages around you and our family. And I thought a good way to kick it off would be by showing this photo here. So this is a photo of my son holding my first grandson. This is baby Joel, born a week ago. I'm a grandma. I'm so excited. And this is a particularly powerful picture because it really is a testimony and a, and a, and a tribute to the faithfulness of God um, because we're, we're going to be sharing the story more in depth. But you shouldn't be here. The devil tried to kill you quite a few times. And so this really is a testament to the faithfulness of God and also, Mum, your incredible faith. And I'm excited for you to share your story today and what this picture means. Um, but I want to start with... Why don't you start from the beginning? So you've got five daughters. You're married to an epic man, my dad. Um, <laughs> but uh, your birth, you were born premature at, and were one pound at birth, and they really did not expect you to survive. So why don't we start with that story? Okay. Um, Mike. I don't, I don't personally remember this, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to take my parents' word for what happened. But um, my mother had didn't have good health. So when uh, she was about three months pregnant with me, she was put into hospital and she stayed there till I was born. Now, I was due on the 23rd of February and I was born on the 15th of December. So you can do the math because that's not my strong suit. So, <laughs> but anyway, so when I was born, it was quite traumatic because apparently I was... Mum was just resting in a hospital bed and suddenly uh, she thought, mm, things don't feel right. She was suddenly feeling very wet and sticky and her back ached and the next thing... I was placenta previa for those who ha uh, know about that sort of stuff. So out came all this stuff along with me. And um, when they, you know, they, they didn't expect me to live, they couldn't believe that it was a live birth. So um, they just gave me to my mother. I don't know if they had humidity cribs in 1948 
or, but anyway, if they did, they weren't wasting one on me. So they just cleaned me up and gave me to my mum and said, just hold her because she's not going to live. So anyway, my dad happened to come in for normal visiting hours not long after this. And my father is quite tall. He's six foot three and a half. And, um, but he said he laid me in the palm of his hand. That's how small I was. And anyway, so then they uh, just hung about waiting for me to die, and I didn't. So then they decided... (laughs) So then they decided, okay, so they got my mother to express milk and she... into an egg cup and rub it across my mouth with, like, cotton... You know, like fabric, not a string of cotton. <laughs> but anyway, and then uh, because obviously I couldn't suck and then there I was still hanging in there. So then they graduated to um, feeding me with a mustard spoon, which is a very tiny spoon if you don't know what that is, about the size of your little finger, the nail on your little finger, and mum would dribble the milk into my mouth. And I do remember her saying to me, she said, I used to sit there in the hospital bed crying all day, dribbling this um, milk into your mouth, you know, because I had to learn how to suck. So anyway, obviously it was very good milk, and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) And you just celebrated your 75th birthday yesterday. Yes, I did. <laughs> so this little one-pound baby <laughs> is still here. And not only did you have five daughters, and how many grandkids do you have now? I have 14. 14 grandchildren and one great-grandbaby, which is? is pretty spectacular. It is. And he is so handsome. He sure is. He sure is. <laughs> Now, Mum, your, your journey with sickness did not end there. Just, uh, you know, when you were a baby, you grew up and you had a heart condition. Mm. And I remember as a little girl actually waking up in the morning and there were several times where Dad would have to come and tell, tell us that you had been taken to hospital because you'd had a turn in the night. And the prognosis over your life wasn't great. No, it wasn't. Yeah, and uh, you were on medication every day for your heart. Yeah. And you had become a Christian. We'll get to that later. Um, but you weren't raised a Christian. You became a Christian. and then, But you were going to a church that didn't believe that God could heal. That's that right. the gift of healing had passed away. Yeah. But you're, that, that only works if you don't need healing, right? Well, that's right. <laughs> so when you need healing, you have to read the Bible for yourself. And you had gotten saved and started to read the Bible. Yeah. And then also started listening. So why don't you share that journey about your your healing from the heart condition? Well, as Leanne said, um, I wasn't brought up a Christian, so I was in my 20s when I became a Christian and we were going to a mainstream church and I, you know, they didn't believe in healing, even though it was in the Bible, like they thought it was for back when there were no doctors. So... um, but they did believe in sanctified suffering. So, you know, if you were sick, you were like sort of... It was the way you handled it that glorified God, 
you know, which is not the best way to go, honestly. So anyway, one day I was watching Gloria Copeland on TV and she had, a friend had told me about her and I must admit, admit that the Copelands were quite a culture shock. Um, <laughs> but I was really hungry for God and... You know, it was just like a sponge around these things. So anyway, Gloria was preaching from Isaiah and she was talking about the fact that uh, God had said that, you know, by the stripes of Jesus we're healed and made whole. And I had actually read that in the New Testament, but I don't know, it just sort of went in one ear and out the other. And I thought it must have been, you know, for back whenever they decided to cancel healing. So <laughs> I... Um, but as I was sitting there listening to her, I thought to myself, yes, I want that. You know, God means me. Come on. And it just sort of... It went into me. I don't know I'm sh if you've had that experience, but it's like God just goes... And you think, oh, I can have that? Yes. So I, um, I sat there patiently, oh, well, impatiently, actually, waiting for Gloria to stop talking so that I could go and do this And because um, I thought oh, I can't leave because she might say something that I need to know. And um, anyway... She more or less said it all the first time. So I went and I prayed and I said, thank you, God. You know, like you've said um, by G the stripes of Jesus I'm healed and yes, please, I will have that. Wow. So that's what I did. And I also stopped taking my medication but I didn't tell my husband because he gets really funny about stuff like that. And um, so about eight weeks into it, I... And did you hear God tell you, stop taking it? Did you get a word from God? Oh, well, he didn't say, Val, stop taking your medication. No, he didn't say that. But I knew I thought, I don't need this stuff. I mean, I was on the highest dose of heart medication you could have. Plus, I was also having, um, I forget the name of it now, it was a while ago, but a booster so, tablet as well to make it amp up. And um, so it had to be God, Dale, because I'm still here. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> But I don't remember him actually saying, stop taking your medication. It was just something I thought, well, I don't need it because I'm healed. I mean, it's like walking around with crutches when God's fixed your leg. <laughs> like, you just don't do it. So, um, but anyway, Alan, you know, is very protective of me and super vigilant. He'd make a good spy. Anyway... <laughs> Somehow or other, he picked up that this woman isn't doing what she ought to be doing. And so we had the discussion and he carted me off to the doctors. And um, so, you know, 
Uh, anyway, so I went and he examined me and he couldn't find anything wrong with me, but he wasn't happy either. He was on Alan's side. He wanted me to take the medication. So he sent me to my cardiologist who had been looking after me and he went over me with a fine tooth comb and he couldn't find anything wrong with me either. Right. <laughs> and in fact, they both our personal physician and my cardiologist <laughs> said, they both said, you are actually healthier now than you have ever been. And... Um, but they both also said they would feel a lot better if I was taking my medication. So, <laughs> so but anyway, so I thought, well, you can take it, but I'm not, you know, because... <laughs> I'm not sick anymore, so I don't need it. And as you just heard, I turned 75 yesterday and I was 48 when that happened. So that's how long. And I haven't had any medication since then. And then six months after that initial healing... Oh, yeah. So, I learned a wonderful lesson, you know, in this experience. You know, God is so good and um, so vigilant with his kids. He loves us so much. So, anyway, about six months into that, so I didn't get all casual and whatever, um, I... We were in bed and asleep and everything and suddenly I had very bad pain in my chest, really bad chest pain and I couldn't breathe and it was like, oh my, you know. And so this side of my brain's like, wake Alan, call the ambulance, you know, okay, all this again. But then the other side of my brain which I'm assuming is where the Holy Spirit lives, because <laughs> he said to me, wait a minute, you know, you're healed. You know, like, who are you going to believe? Wow. You know, and, I, and so I had the opportunity then to cave to my symptoms. And they were lying symptoms because Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full until it overflows. And, you know, like, what would you choose? Like, <laughs> And so I thought, no, I am not going to surrender my healing. Wow. And so... I laid there in bed and I rehearsed the promises of God and at some point I fell asleep and I woke up and here I am today. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so good, Mum. Um, and we're going to be praying for people at the end and I believe God's going to... He wants to do that again. This is, uh, you know, God doesn't have... Favorites in the sense of he wants to do the same thing for every person in this room. Oh, absolutely. 
if he'll give it to me, he'll give it to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's nothing special about me. So, yes, he wants it for all of you. Absolutely. Amen. So, Tom, so why don't we chat a little bit about your conversion experience? Because when you and Dad got married, you weren't a Christian. No, I wasn't, and I Dad was guilty of missionary dating. He was. I tell you what, though, um, I don't recommend it. Like, (laughs) if you're thinking, oh, good, I will go out and marry an atheist and then convert them, well, uh, you know, just prepare yourself for World War III. And... (laughs) And I definitely don't recommend it. And I made sure all our girls knew that that was not the preferred way to get married. (laughs) Right. And so, yes, but that's our story and the goodness of God. So, uh, um, yeah, this gorgeous man, for whatever reason, which I'm sure was God's idea, chose me, for which I am extremely grateful. But he said to me, you know, I want to marry you. So this isn't the best proposal any woman ever had. But he (laughs) said, I want to marry you, but I can't because you're not a Christian. And um, I just said, well, I'm not going to be one. So, (laughs) and, you know, like, where do you go from there? So I'm like... And I said, but, and, you know, I love you, but I'm not going to be a Christian and so you, you know, do what you want, you know, but I, you know, we'll just move on, I'll get over it, you know, like it's okay. And so he left, he drove away. Fortunately, we had, when I was growing up, we had a long driveway and so he drove down the driveway and by the time he got to the end of the driveway, he'd rethought it and drove back up again. <laughs> Good job, Dad. And, <laughs> and he said to me, you know, I love you, I want to marry you anyway. And I said, well, okay, I love you too, but let's just lay down the ground rules here. You know, you can be as Christian as you like, but... I am not one going to be one, and if you promise to leave me alone, then we'll go and get married. So the man lied. He said, okay. (laughs) That's the deal. He never mentioned God till we were... Married and going out the church. <laughs> as soon as I said I do, he was like, the deal's off. And I, <laughs> and I didn't even get the confetti out of my hair before he started. So that was an interesting couple of years, I can tell you. So um, and. Unless you're prepared for your own Armageddon, I wouldn't go there. (laughs) But God had his plan. And, you know, he was going to get these five girls into the earth and he'd chosen me to do it. So he sorted me out and 
And you were, <sighs> mum, you, when you became a Christian, you like threw yourself in. And I remember growing up oh, yeah. and always seeing you reading your Bible. Yeah. You were the only person in our Anglican church where nobody raised their hands, raising their hands, <laughs> much to my embarrassment. And, um, you know, like I always remember you so hungry for God. So when you got saved, you meant it. Oh, you gosh, jumped in yes. with both, yeah. both feet. Yeah, um, your father was a bit concerned. He was like, now she's a Christian and I don't know what to do with her. Like, <laughs> so he had his hands full when he married me either way. So, <laughs> yeah. And then you got, and then the progression because uh, growing up we were part of a mainline church, the yeah. Anglican church, which mm. was really beautiful, but it really was the beginning of our journey with God and our growth as a Christian family. Mm. And then Jürgen came into our world. Absolutely. In orange board shorts. He did. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was like Val Mark II plus. <laughs> Val Mark II plus, she said, yeah. So um, he had quite the impact. and He, he did. You were already after, you know, receiving healing. And yeah kind of getting involved with the Copelands and those kinds of things, starting to think about or swim around the edges, as you say, yeah. of the power of God and mm. getting baptised in the Holy Spirit. And yeah. then Jürgen came in and he started to speak to you about that. But we'd been taught in our church that the gifts of God are not for today and that no. the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is evil. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, and yet... Jürgen prayed for me and I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, but it took a while for me to speak in tongues and this is where my husband came in, who was totally opposed to the whole thing, by the way, but I was so annoying that um, because... I'd been baptised in the Holy Spirit. I knew it had happened when God, um, Jürgen prayed for me. I often get those two mixed up. And, <laughs> and um, but nothing had happened. Anyway, this guy called Ezekiel Chung came to town and he had a bright yellow tent and I convinced my husband to take me to here Ezekiel Chung, which was so far outside Alan's comfort zone, we may as well have been on the moon. And, uh, <laughs> but he liked to take care of his wife. So anyway, he took me in. Long story short, we went night after night and nothing kept happening. And I kept saying to Alan, oh, look, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I speaking in tongues? You know, and he was just over it. Well and truly over it. So he marched down the front at the end of one of the meetings, grabbed a pastor, said, can you get yourself up here? My wife's driving me nuts. Um, I, you know, she wants to speak in tongues and I'm thoroughly over it. So anyway, so he came back and he, so the guy said yes. <laughs> so he came up and then Al came over to me and said, see that guy over there? Go over there, I've had a word with him, you're going to speak in tongues. So I went over there and this man looked at me and he said to me, you know, what's the problem? And I said, well, I've been prayed for to receive the gift of Holy, the Holy Spirit and I know I haven't, but I haven't, I can't speak in tongues, nothing's happened. 
And he looked at me and he said, well, open your mouth. <laughs> so, so I did. And out it all came. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. And that, that changed my life. Like, meeting Christ as my Saviour and Lord changed my life dramatically. And then when I was baptised in the Holy Spirit, it changed my life again. The Bible became real to me. It was personal. I mean, I'd been reading it for years. I was an ardent student of the Bible. But I... Um, it. It was like a love letter from God that I couldn't put down. And every time I read it, and it's still true today, I see something more of how great our God is, how magnificent and powerful it is to have the love of God working in you and through you and for you. And when he says that there is nothing that is impossible with God, it's true when you believe his love for you. And so did you go back to the Anglican church? Like how did all that work? Because what was it that, that Ezekiel Chung said in the service when all oh, this was happening? Well, <laughs> I have to laugh. I, I love you so much, darling. You put up with such a lot. <laughs> So anyway, we're sitting there in Ezekiel Chung and Alan, you know, like none of this was in his comfort zone or in his theology. I mean, it is now, but he was back like... Back then. Back then, he was like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, he Ezekiel Chung's preaching and he said, if you don't um, go to a church where the Holy Spirit is honoured and allowed to operate within the church. And then he went like this and he went, get out now. Wow. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And we were walking out of the meeting and Alan looked at me and he said, you know, he said, I heard that and I looked at you and I thought, well, even... <laughs> we're not going back to that church. He said he just could tell. So <laughs> you said, I remember you you telling me you said you had gone back a little bit to the Anglican Church, and um, you just said you could immediately feel there was no air of expectation. There, that's right. They like they, you know the expectation that God is doing something in you and not just in you but through you and not just through you but for you and that's what he wants. He's, Holy Spirit spoke to me about there's three, he showed me there are three types of believers. There's the believer then there's the believing believer and then there's the receiving believer. Wow. And when he showed me that, my hand went up. I want to be a receiving believer. I want everything God's got for me and everything Christ died to give me. Now, I was saved from the moment I gave my heart to God. Salvation wasn't the issue but it was walking in the fullness of what 
Christ had died to give me. Wow. And um, I, one of my favourite verses is where Jesus himself says, he was being um, questioned by the religious elite, which, you know, really, they're a really annoying group of people. It's very and, true. And um, he said the to them, what... They said to him, what must we do in order to be doing the things, the works of God? And you know what Jesus said? And I'm sure I had read it before, but it just went in one ear and out the other. But it leapt off the page to me. And Jesus said, believe in the one whom he has sent. That is the key, to believe in the one that he has sent. And when you do that, everything else falls into place because he's the source of our power. He's the life giver. He's the miracle worker. He does it all. He's just asking you to believe. Brilliant, Mum. And you've lived it and modelled it to me and my four sisters so, so brilliantly. I remember when I was pregnant with Zoe, my little angel who's on the front row here next to Grandad. (laughs) And uh, they told me that there were potentially some issues there and we had a negative diagnosis spoken. I remember it just felt like the oxygen was sucked out of the room And I straight away knew I I need to call my mum because I knew when I called mum, I'd get a word of faith. And I I remember picking up the phone and calling you and telling you and you were quiet and then you said, Leanne, your little girl is perfect. (laughs) She is completely fine. It's a lie. All will be well. And it was immediately like the storm in my heart just calmed. I really love what you said before about how, you know, the the devil operates in lies and we can Mm. either believe the truth or the lie. And that had been true for all of us because I was supposed to, well, they told you to abort me. Yeah. You wouldn't have a senior pastor's wife. Can you? How sad. (laughs) I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Amazing. (laughs) But but you refused. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't even take it on board. Thought, yep. idiot. It's not. <laughs> so good. But you and Dad have been phenomenal parents. Our, our family is by no means perfect. And I think if you scratch the surface of anybody's family, there's always junk underneath. Oh, yeah. But I think, I think it's the ability of uh, dealing with that junk. And, and I've seen you and Dad walk through that so well. Phenomenal, phenomenal parents. I've shared this story in church before about when I got my first job. I started working at 14 at McDonald's. Yes. And um, I remember one day uh, just having enough and my manager was mean to me. And I don't know what happens when they put the manager badge on the chest of a 20-year-old man, but they go on a power trip. And I had had enough. And I thought, well, I'm leaving. I am woman, hear me roar. I don't have to put up with this. And I walked home 
And I walked into the back door and you're sitting there, you and dad are sitting there at the table having a cup of tea. And you're like, well, what are you doing home? And I said, I quit. <laughs> Rob Shakatano was mean to me and I don't have to put up with that. And you got me in the car and you drove me back to work and made me apologise for walking <laughs> <Dear>. out. <laughs> so you never, in, you, I always felt so loved and supported and protected, but never pandered or indulged. And, you know, I think in this generation, we have the helicopter parenting and the snowplow parenting where we remove all responsibility and challenge from our children's lives and where we're hamstringing them. But you never did that. So tell me your thought process when I walk through the back door in a huff and why, why did you drive me back? Because you needed to go back. Tantrums are never a good idea. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, that attitude can't be encouraged that you need to accept responsibility for your actions always and you need to be accountable and the world is full of jerks and if you're going to bolt every time one wags their finger at you, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. And um, so I just, you know, with all our girls, it's important because our lives are actually built by our choices. And um, there are consequences to every choice you make. Yeah. And while my mother's heart always wants to protect and rescue, um, and I believe this is... I mean, my mum was the same, so that helped, and she was a, a heathen, so, you know, <laughs> it works in any genre. But, but also... Um, you know, you, I believe because I'd seen how God dealt with me. Like, God doesn't let you get away with stuff. You make a dumb decision, you're going to have to deal with a dumb consequence. No matter how much God loves you, he loves you enough to say, you're going to have to walk through the consequence of this action. And you need to have a good attitude because if you don't, you'll spend your life as a miserable, bent out of shape victim that nobody wants to be friends with. Wow. <laughs> Way to put it plain. That'll change your life right there. So my sister, your daughter, Janine, and she shared her testimony, but went through a pretty dark season in her life. She was away from God and it caused a lot of heartache for you and dad. And I know that there are parents here today who are walking through a dark season with one of their children, what did you do and how would you encourage them today? Well, the short answer is you love unconditionally and pray continually. But also, um, we always treated our kids as if they were Christians, even if they're, because they'd been brought up to know God and they'd been baptised as their own choice, not because Alan and I, they were having it happening and, you know, you need to get on board with that. We waited for them all to make their own decisions and Janine had made that and then she'd got off on a side road and 
So we always treated her as a Christian. Um, we didn't badger her or anything like that, but we treated her how we expected her to be. And, um, yeah, and it was a journey and her, her dad was amazing and um, I'm not quite so amazing, you know, like I can get a bit feisty and, you know, I get impatient and I'm like, really, God, this should have happened a year ago. But anyway, so... But now, like, at the moment, Janine's flying back from Cambodia. She's been over there for three weeks with a mission. She started dealing with trafficked um, women and everything, and her husband and she and her husband have a church in Australia. So all glory to God. You know, it's all God. And you just have to trust him. Don't trust what you see. Don't trust what you feel. You know, trust God's word. And my life verse is, will not the God of all the earth do right? When I can't see it, when I don't feel it, when it's not happening the way I think it should have happened, when I've prayed prayers that seem to be unanswered, I go back to that verse and declare to myself and anyone else who needs to hear it, will not the God of all the earth do right? And I trust that. No matter what it looks like or feels like, God is working and he's turning all things together for our good. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Mum. I'm going to get you to pray before I ask... Uh, Dr. Matt to come up, but I wanted to, I wanted to just close with this. Um, you, you've been like just such an incredible example to me and so many others in your faith and your walk with God. If you were going to leave everybody with one final encouragement today as they go on their journey with the Lord, what would it be? You can't fail if you don't quit. Well, what I'd like to do now is we'll stand, stand on up, Mom. We're going to pray for people, and you stand too. And so what I love about my mom's story is that she's a curse breaker in her family. She is by far and away the oldest living woman in, you know, at least your history in her family line. Your mother died at 42. Her mother died at, was it 22? Yeah. 22 years of age. And so here you stand. The devil tried to kill you many times. But he didn't succeed because God's love and his purpose is greater than the devil's hatred and the devil's plan. So here you stand at 75, a trophy of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I believe that as we've shared your stories and your testimonies today, just like the book of Revelation tells us, we overcome the devil, the evil one, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want to say to you today, that my mum's testimony can be yours. That's God right. wants to make you a cycle breaker in your generation. Amen. It just takes one to start it and completely change a legacy. 
So I want to honour you for that, Mum, for being such an incredible mum and an incredible woman of God. And I want you to pray. Just pray and just release uh, a prayer of faith over these beautiful people today. Yeah, I got to be the first old lady in our family line. <laughs> the first great-grandma. Yeah, that's right. So, Father God, I thank you that your mercies are indeed new every morning and great is your faithfulness. So, Father, I thank you that we, when we stand on the promises of Christ our King, when we allow Holy Spirit to be the power that is operating in us and through us, when we are believing and receiving believers, we can trust you to bring about your perfect will in our lives, that you will work for us, through us and in us. When we put our trust in you, we thank you, Father God, that your word declares that those who put their trust in the Lord shall not be made ashamed. And every one of your promises is yes and amen, established in Christ Jesus, and they all belong to us in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.